Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, allowing student-athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness has turned into a controversial free-for-all in college athletics. Are we really ready to allow NIL deals in high school sports? We'll take a closer look. Also this morning, no area school district has been busier this year than Liberty Benton, and things are about to get even more hectic on campus as renovations begin on their existing high school facility. Superintendent Mark Kowalski will join us for an update. And the Black Swamp Area Council of the Boy Scouts are busy preparing for a summer full of fun and adventure for area youth. Scout leader Mark Kogan will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. A friend of mine posted on Facebook the other day, this is why they call it May. It may rain, it may snow, it may be 80 degrees, it may be 30 degrees, and we've had it all. Uh, Going to be a beautiful day today, though. If you're looking for a reason to celebrate, today is World Lupus Day. Also, it is National Shrimp Day, National Clean Up Your Room Day. Although, I would submit that today is going to be too nice of a day to... Stay indoors and clean up your room. Clean up your room tomorrow. I was going to say tomorrow, but tomorrow's going to be beautiful too. So, And then so is uh, Thursday and, and Friday. Saturday it may rain. Is that what they're, they're saying? So clean up your room on Saturday day today. <laughs> clean up your room today. National Small Business Day today. Big salute to the small businesses who have had a rough go of it over the past couple of years. To support your favorite small business today, Trust Your Intuition Day. It is National Lipid Day, and it is the very first ever National Fentanyl Awareness Day. Fentanyl Awareness Day. Um, And we don't have to tell you why that is important. So, observances slash celebrations today to be uh, to make note of. So among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, I thought this was interesting. Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis yesterday signed legislation in that state designating November 7th as Victims of Communism Day in Florida. Now, I don't know why November 7th is the day. I'm sure there's a, a tie-in, and maybe I'm I'm just dense. I'm missing it. I don't know. Somebody will say, oh, it's obvious why it's November 7th, but it's the uh, significant uh, significance escapes me at the moment. But anyway, Victims of Communism Day in Florida, and this law, this legislation that uh, Governor DeSantis signed it yesterday requires that public school students on that day be given at least 45 minutes of instruction on communist regimes around the world and how people people suffered under them. Uh, Under the bill, the instruction will begin next school year, uh, this coming school year, and uh, would require the teaching of uh, late communist leaders Joseph Stalin, the Soviet Union, uh, Mao Zedong of China, and Fidel Castro of Cuba and the suffering that the people of those nations experienced under their leadership, uh, as, uh, under the leadership of communism. Uh, specifically, it says uh, students shall be taught the poverty, starvation, migration, systemic lethal violence, and suppression of speech endured under these communist regimes. And I did, I did have to chuckle a little bit, uh, 
at the prospect of <laughs> of a law in demanding <laughs> that that schools uh, uh, teach their kids uh, about the uh, lack of free speech <laughs> communist regime. <laughs> so they're telling the schools what they have to talk about of uh, the lack of free speech. You see the uh, <laughs> you see the juxtaposition there that says. I, I think it's a I think it's a good thing. I think kids uh, obviously should learn about these things, but it is kind of ironic <laughs> that, we, that we are requiring by law teachers to talk about the suppression of free speech under uh, under communism. But anyway, I just, <laughs> it's an interesting uh, interesting irony there. Uh, let's see here. What else is going on? Speaking of uh, words, words matter. They say, and yesterday's word of the day. The popular online game Wordle was supposed to be fetus. But the New York Times, which now owns Wordle, as you know, switched it out because obviously the word fetus right now at the moment is a bit controversial uh, given the news of the day. And uh, they said it was unintentional. Uh, They uh, planned the words weeks if not months in advance and so nobody knew that the word fetus would be so controversial because there's so much in the news the editors of the games section at the time said in a note to readers that the original answer was actually loaded in and locked in last year but it was coincidentally closely connected with a major recent news event Um, and so they decided to Because, as they say, as they said at the Times, uh, the idea of the games section is a a place to escape uh, the news of the day and just, you know, it's meant to be entertaining and, and and an escape from the everyday. And we want Wordle to remain distinct from the news. So they uh, replaced it. I don't know what the uh, new word was yesterday. What was it? I don't play Wordle, but uh, it was supposed to be. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Um, so the big, uh, I guess, trendy breakfast item of late has been avocado toast. I mean, this has been for a few years now, right? Avocado toast is like the trendy breakfast item. So now it has gotten an upgrade on TikTok. People uh, are replacing the toast with a hash brown patty and have dubbed it hash brown avocado toast, even though there's no toast involved. So you're putting avocado on a hash brown instead of avocado on toast. It seems the trend may have first begun a couple of years ago, but has only recently exploded thanks to uh, TikTok. Food content creator Kelsey Lynch so she prefers to make her toast with uh, hash browns from Trader Joe's, incidentally, uh, which she tops with fresh avocado slices, a fried egg, chili, onion crunch sauce, and optional goat cheese crumbles. Now, if that doesn't sound like a uh, trendy millennial breakfast item, I don't know what does. One of those fancy, you know, those fancy schmancy type menu items that... Just give me a burger. Just give me toast. That's, that's just give me toast. 
I think it's ironic that these elaborate avocado toast recipes are all the rage now because isn't toast the ultimate fast food when you don't have time for breakfast? You at least have time to make toast, and now you're making it so elaborate, we don't even have time for that. So I don't get it, but uh, that seems to be the uh, big trend. Avocado hash brown toast. Hash brown avocado toast. So if you're looking for something different for breakfast this morning, I thought I would point that out. Doctors may soon be willing... Uh, or Let's try that again. Doctors may soon be writing a very simple prescription to improve your mental health. Get off of social media... New study out of the University of Bath finds that avoiding social media platforms for just one week significantly improved a person's well-being and also le- lowered levels of both anxiety and depression. Uh, what they did is they... Uh, now, there have been studies on this before. Uh, some have said that uh, social media is... Ad- some of the studies have found that social media is addictive. Others... Maybe not so much, but in this particular study, they gathered 154 people between the ages of 18 to 72 who all use social media daily, and they split them into two groups, one using social media as normal, so the control group, the other trying to avoid any social media use for one week. And they found that that group showed lower levels of both anxiety and depression. Their conclusion, one week, just one week of no social media significantly improved a person's well-being. They said that um, they found that social media users, on average, spend about nine hours a week on their favorite platforms. And I thought that was incredibly high until I thought about it. I mean, that's barely more than an hour a day. And I think most of us probably spend, and I probably kill an hour a day on social media. Now, not on Everyone of the platform, I check Facebook, I check Twitter, you know, and so, but you split all that time. I'm sure I kill an hour a day on those. So seven, eight, nine hours a week. I don't think that's necessarily all that out of line. It sounds like a lot, but I don't know that that's uh, really, but anyway, they say if you cut it out for a week, you feel much better. So you can try it if you like, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Other um, buzzworthy, uh, Items worth mentioning here, right out of the gate. Uh, Have you heard of this guy? David Rush is his name. He has broken more than 200 Guinness World Records. And it's to generate publicity to promote education, specifically STEM education, the science, technology, engineering, and math. So he has now broken a new record in his latest feat. He walked 206 feet 8 inches with a running chainsaw balanced on his chin. 200 plus feet with a running chainsaw balanced on his chin. Uh, And it's all in the name of education. Like, kids, don't try that. And here's why. I didn't... Really? Is that the best? If you're trying to... If you're trying to get kids' attention and promote education, is that the best way to do it? I mean, honestly, think about that. I mean, I'm just breaking records and all of that and getting publicity. Okay, that's fine. But that particular record, why that particular record? That, se- that seems like a, well, frankly, a boneheaded way of getting kids' attention and promoting education by doing something monumentally stupid like that. Somebody's going to try that. Somebody will. 
And finally, among the first things that you need to know this morning, we just recently had primary day. Uh, here was a week ago, right? Last Tuesday. Well, the tiny Texas town of Palmhurst has a new mayor. Ramiro Rodriguez Jr. was reelected of the community in southern Texas near McAllen, Texas. Palmhurst is the name of the, the community. And uh, he was uh, reelected mayor. There's only one problem. He died last month. <laughs> he died. I don't mean to laugh because he died, but he died and, and the people of the town knew it. It's not like it was a secret. And he still got 329 votes, which was enough to beat the lone challenger in the race. And you think, why in the world was the name of a dead man still on the ballot? Well, under Texas election code, the only way that a a candidate's name can be removed from the ballot is with their own authorization. He obviously couldn't authorize it because he was dead. And so by law, his name still had to be (laughs) under Texas law. His name still had to be on the ballot. And he actually won reelection over his living challenger. The uh, city of Palmhurst is now in the position of having to call a special election to elect a new mayor, uh, elect a new mayor uh, because the uh, dead guy was reelected. And I'm thinking to myself, how would you like to be this guy's challenger? (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't have his name, but whoever you are, sir, you have absolutely no future in politics. If, If you can't beat a dead guy then you probably should give up your your political career. It's not going well. There you go. Uh, <laughs> there's some of the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sunshine expected again today with a high in the low 80s. Partly cloudy skies tonight, a low of 58. The Fort Finley FOP held its annual memorial service for fallen officers, with one new name being added to the memorial this year. Officer Dominic Francis. And watch. 331. 2022. Bluffton Corporal Lonnie Kent reading off the names of the three Bluffton officers who have died in the line of duty, including Officer Dominic Francis, who was killed in March. He then accompanied Officer Francis's parents as they placed flowers at the memorial and saluted all the local fallen officers, including their son. See video from the service on the website. An Ohio man who was a sailor in World War II and was killed in the attack on Pearl Harbor will finally be laid to rest this summer. Navy musician First Class Joseph Hoffman was assigned to the USS Oklahoma, which capsized after being hit by Japanese torpedoes. The Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency has announced that Hoffman's remains were identified and family members notified. The 1936 Chillicothe High School graduate will be buried in August. The Ohio Department of Transportation will be investing $51 million for new safety projects across Ohio, including in Northwest Ohio. The governor and ODOT director, Dr. Jack Marchbanks, announced the projects are aimed to specifically address an increase in pedestrian-involved traffic crashes and fatal roadway departures. ODOT statistics show both of those types of accidents hit their highest levels in 2021 in comparison to the previous decade. Kate Burdett, ONN News. And some of those projects are in Hancock County in northwest Ohio. You can see the full list on the website. The Finley Rotary Club has presented $46,000 in grants to various local nonprofits. 
The grants come from the Rotary Club's Forward Fund that was established more than 30 years ago to build over the years through donations and bequests. This year's recipients include Raise the Bar, Habitat for Humanity, Finley Hope House, Finley Family YMCA, and the City Mission of Finley. Remember, you can always get more news online at WFIN.com. When it comes to high school sports, this has been one of the most buzzed about stories of the uh, past couple of weeks since it was announced that the OHSAA member schools will be voting on a provision that would allow name, image, and likeness deals for high school athletes. Joining us this morning is uh, Findlay City Schools Athletic Director uh, Nate Wyra. And um, first of all, I, I guess one of the things we should kind of clarify is that the OHSAA proposal, this I believe came from, uh, it come from member schools? Because, uh, you know, who came up with the idea of saying we should vote on this, we should explore this? Was it the OHSAA itself? Was there a, a member school or group of schools that, I mean, do you know the background of all of that? I don't know the exact background from yeah. all that, but I do believe that there were some schools that were interested that did bring that forth to, okay. to the OHSAA. So it's not necessarily something that came down from the commissioner's office at the, at the OHSAA who said, hey, we need to look at this, or the OHSAA itself is saying we need to look at this. Yes, but you are also Seeing, you're seeing that trickle down. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is you have um, uh, from the NCAA is now trickling down right. into into the high school athletics. So now right now what's happening is the OHSA is trying to get a jump start on some things. Yeah. Well, and that's the the question that I think a lot of folks uh, have been asking: Is this premature? Because this still hasn't necessarily been sorted out at the college level. Right now it's kind of a free for all. And even uh, we had the story I think last week the uh, commissioner of the SEC. And I think it was the PAC-12 uh, asked Congress to take a look at this even and, and pass some legislated, uh, legislation uh, taking it out of the hands of the uh, NCAA. So it, it seems a bit premature until at least they sort it out in college. Yeah, actually, I believe this week the NCAA is, you know, they're, they're trying to crack down on, they're, supposedly they're going to be coming down on cracking down on some of the people that are violating all these all already, yeah, already. already, you've got uh, all of that. So uh, one of the things uh, you had mentioned last week is this is a vote, and the, and the vote will continue through the end of this week, I believe, yes. uh, at the OHSAA. And you had talked about um, discussing this with the administration of the school. I would imagine, as the athletic director, there are some times when rules changes uh, are proposed where the administration will say, Nate, do what you think is best for the, the sport. This is not one of those times. This is a time when you really want to have some serious conversations. Absolutely. Absolutely. We actually have another conversation later today about this. That's why we're, we're taking this very, very serious, mm-hmm. um, as with all schools should with their vote, right? Yeah. You know, and, and there's varying opinions, you know, whether it's from Finley to uh, to Wood County area. So there's varying opinions about what's going to happen. I do believe the, the vote's going to be close, though. Yeah. Really? I, because I, I, again, I'm wondering if we are really necessarily ready for that. I mean, it seems like they've been talking about, for example, they've been talking about a shot clock in high school basketball for, <laughs> for, forever and and things like competitive balance in in the football uh, rankings and so on. These things have taken forever uh, and in many cases are still not resolved. Is this, in your mind, something that you know we're just going to implement or is this going to maybe not pass it but going to set the stage for many more conversations later well i think there's going to be several conversations later you know but uh i I do believe that you take a look at you know if you vote do you vote yes you know just to get on the forefront to get ahead of things before 
you know, if it doesn't pass, because the legislature could could come on in and, and mm-hmm. start creating laws. You yeah. Know? Associations are right now developing policies, and that's what the OHSA is trying to do right now. Yeah. But if you vote, you know, is it a threat to amateurism as we know it? Yeah. You know, is it is it the? I always I was you know not kidding you know so to speak, but is it the you know the it start to the end of education based athletics as we know it? Right. Um, one of the one of the upshots that I've been, I'm trying to think through my mind of all of the scenarios. And one of the things that I'm not sure many people know, but as I understand it, the the way it stands now, a student athlete um, could go into a restaurant or football player could go to get ice cream the day after a big game. And the owner says, hey, I saw you had a great game. You know, uh, ice cream's on me today. And that would be impermissible under the current current rules. Is that is that kind of the way? I mean, a, a kid could get into trouble without even realizing it under the the current. Absolutely, this would make that a little bit more lenient, would it not? Yeah, I mean, and then if that person has a image of you know the Trojans logo logo on it, right, yeah. or uh, you know Van Lee Wildcat, you know they could be in trouble, and then it goes on social media, mm-hmm. and then yeah, be that district administrator that tells that four or five star athlete that yeah. You know what? They You're not able to play this this Friday or this Tuesday night. Yeah. So it, it seems like there would be an an upside to that, at least to give the give a little bit of more leeway, because I don't think anybody is really. That's not an an, uh, an intent sort of sort of thing that this right. would maybe eliminate. Right. Correct. So uh, so there are some uh, upshots uh, to this, but does it also? Is there also? Uh, some of the questions you get to the big R in the question of recruiting, um, which has, again, been a topic that people have discussed in, in circles uh, as it impacts high school sports. Does this uh, even open that Pandora's box wider? I, I believe so. I mean, it could almost go to looking at agents at high school, at the high school level. So, like you said, it's that trickle-down effect from professional ranks to the NCAAs now down to the high school where – Everything's broadening. Bottom line, is this something that you can support right now? Um, again, once again, we are trying to, as a district, try to look at all the positives and negatives and, and weigh and everything. How uh, how uh, detailed are the, and I haven't read the proposal of what the rule would look like if it were to pass. I'm, I'm assuming that you've seen There are details. some safeguards. There are some safeguards. That's what I was going to ask. How detailed is that and what does that rule look like? Well, it goes back to your analogy of, you know, going out to, to an ice cream store and, yeah. you know, you need to make sure that, you know, they don't have their logo on. Um, you, you know, you can't warm up with a you know, Taylor Kia sign on the, on the back of your jersey, that type mm-hmm. of thing. But um, there are some safeguards that are put into place and it, it can't be done during a camp or clinic. It has to be basically on your own. Does Is, is this something that... If this were to be approved, would this be something that you could police with the current structure within the athletic uh, department, or would you envision having to have somebody specially on staff to continuously monitor this kind of thing? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I do believe that schools would have to hire some sort of compliance officer, you know, as the NCAA does currently. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe education is going to be huge because not only are you doing it just for the student athlete themselves, but it's also the parents. 
Yeah. Um, because, you know, are those parents going to be, have to be creating LLCs and creating, because again, mm-hmm. all that money is going to go against their taxes. So it's going to go against their FAFSA forms, you know, when they when trying to enroll in the mm-hmm. college level. Yeah. So like I said, it's open. It could be. It could get messy if you don't understand what what's actually transpiring. So there's a, a lot of questions yet to be answered. But the vote, uh, as we said, is going to be held through this week, and we should know the results by uh, first of next week. I so, so yes, the the ballot is actually open until May fifteenth, and then okay. May sixteenth is actually could be effective. And uh, and this would take effect immediately as it's. As it's written, as it's written. so, so this is something that if it does pass, you'd have to get up to speed pretty quickly. Absolutely, uh, very interesting to uh, to see how this vote uh, will go, and then what happens next. Again, uh, Nate Wyrowie's athletic director for the Findlay City Schools, uh, talking about the uh, possibility of NIL deals in high school sports. We'll continue to to follow it. Nate, thanks very much for dropping by. We Thank you very much it. for having me. Appreciate it. Won't be long now until uh, school is out for the summer and you get weather like this. And kids are really starting to feel it, I'm sure. So are the teachers, I'm sure. Over the course of the past school year, no district in our area has been busier than Liberty Benton. And uh, things are about to get even more hectic on campus as renovations begin on their existing high school facility. Superintendent Mark Kowalski has joined us in the uh, studio this morning. A lot of things going on on the the campus there. Before we get into all of that, I do have to ask you about the big news that we uh, heard about just uh, in the past few days, uh, that uh, Liberty Benton will be leaving the BVC very soon. And uh, as a founding member of the uh, BVC, got to be a bit bittersweet for the Eagles. Well, uh, you know, a lot of history, a lot of tradition, a mm-hmm. uh, lot of competition uh, over the years with the uh, member schools in the league. We appreciate all their their uh, the partnerships that we formed over the years. But as as it evolves, as um, time time goes on, uh, we are pushing sixteen hundred students mm-hmm. uh, in our district, and right. there is a very large enrollment disparity, and we recognize that, and we want. To, wanted to come up with a plan uh, that would not only preserve some of the the traditions and history of the league, mm-hmm. but also give us enough time to vet out uh, a future uh, solution for us when it comes to a, a league, whether that be uh, moving into an existing league and uh, or forming a new, a new league Maybe with, a new with some other yeah. uh, schools. But, you know, in Northwest Ohio, you – it is. There are some very, very larger schools and medium schools and very small schools mm-hmm. in our league. You know, there was an enrollment disparity of over a thousand. Uh, so, um, you know, great, great partnerships over the years, and we wish uh, those members nothing but but good luck. And we've got some work to do moving forward, Chris. And and some of those uh, some of those um, rivalries will continue. You would imagine. Um, with non-conference uh, right, matchups. Right. Now, there has been some speculation. I want to ask you about <laughs> this to, to kind of clarify this, because there's been some spe- speculation that the decision to leave was not Liberty Benton's entirely, that some that other conference uh, members sort of forced your hand. Um, was, was there a, a part of that, or was it your decision to, uh, to leave and, and move on and find a new conference? How did this all come about? 
you know, some conversations that have happened over with some uh, new members coming in and mm-hmm. some and members leaving. Corey Ross and North Baltimore leaving. Right. And then Elmwood would coming in. And all, obviously always football is an issue mm-hmm. with some, some member schools who have right. been on the fence about trying to um, um, field teams right. in certain sports. And, mm-hmm. and, and some teams do not feel varsity sports. Right. Uh, right now, just because of their sheer numbers. And, yeah. we, and we understand that. And a lot of this comes down to football because that's the only sport right. in which not everyone makes the postseason. Everything else, everybody right. gets into the tournament right. uh, at the end. of So a lot of this comes down to football and, and how that all works. And again, moving forward and where we're at number wise, uh, we will be pushing 1600 students. Like mm-hmm. I said, uh, we realize that we need to field teams in those levels, uh, freshman JV to give our students student athletes an opportunity and we felt that an amicable split would be and and thanks to the to the member schools that normally this according to the constitution would have been two years but realizing the history Mm -hmm. uh the partnerships over the year the competition level we have a four-year uh solution but if we find something earlier obviously the member schools and we're going to work with them. We we sit at the table at the ESC with them, and we, we're involved in some other mm-hmm. partnerships with them on the business side, if you will, Yeah, uh, would allow us to leave. It, it's something that, you know, as time evolves and um, uh, our school district grows, mm-hmm. um, it's something that we probably should have explored a while back, but things kind of expedited a little bit with, yeah. the, with the enrollment and moving forward. And... Uh, so a work to be done to find a new right, conference affiliation. Right. Have there been conversations with other conferences at the at this point, or is is that process just getting started? Well, we we've had some conversations in the past. Obviously, we've had some schools leave over the over the years. Mm-hmm. Lipsix went to the NWC. Right. Uh, we obviously have had some conversations with them, and as you hear, um, you know, a lot of that's going to be a trickle down effect. There are some large. It Large conferences in, in the Toledo area mm-hmm. who are going through some things. The NLL, Northern Lakes League, is mm-hmm. trying to do a big school, small school. And you hear movement in, in the highest, oldest conference, the NWOAL, mm-hmm. where Patrick Henry, um, um, Napoleon, some of those other schools are, Liberty Center. So so we have some time. Uh, we, have, we need to have a solution within the next year yeah. and a half. Because normally football schedules are done two years in advance, right? Yeah. Okay, so so, clock is so, so we we have some time. I know the BBC will have some some uh, announcements and moves here pretty soon, also, um, and they they've got to get busy too to solidify that league. So yeah. this this the four year window really worked for everybody to allow that league, and and we recognize the history of that league. Um, and allows us to move forward. So it was a good, it was a good amicable, amicable split, if you will. And so, and we want to maintain, so, you so know, competition. Tuned. Yes. So stay, stay tuned. tuned. I'll uh, keep you posted. Come. More to come. Um, meanwhile, like we said, a lot of things going on oh. uh, on campus uh, right now. Um, <laughs> has it sometimes been a challenge to keep it all straight? Uh, yeah, you you're out there some obviously. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know the height. <sighs> Obviously, the K-8 project is, if I had to say today, it's approximately 50% completed, the okay. building itself, mm-hmm. and we are on track for an August opening, grand opening next year, so we'll be working, obviously, throughout the next school year for that. Uh, just uh, had the grand opening of the field house, the field and we house, appreciate right. our athletic boosters 
and the capital committee uh, uh, who ran uh, that project for the athletic boosters and all of the donors, uh, almost 200 donors for that. Um, there the, the stadium, the, the, yeah, the baseball, the football the, stadium and the baseball, yeah, the baseball uh, stadium, the yeah. baseball stadium so this spring, um, you know, the football stadium in the fall and the track. And now part of that OFCC project is the high school renovation. So that building's pushing 30 years old. Mm-hmm. The high facilities construction commission, uh, commission came in and did an assessment what falls under, uh, items to be renovated in that building. So there's so just a recap. So just to recap, what uh, what renovations will be taking place at the high school? So if you had to start all the lights, all the ceilings, uh, carpet, paint, furniture, uh, security, there's low sloped roof on the high school, the mm-hmm. uh, membrane, all of the concrete, and the entire parking lot, and also wow. some reprogramming in areas in the high school where we're adding classrooms and actually the cafetorium as it stands is going to be totally renovated and it will be coming out. There will be no more stage, if you will, in the, uh, or cafetorium performing arts area in that. Because that will all be at the new building. That will all be in a new building. Uh, If you look uh, to the right of the new building, if you're going down nine, that large high bay area is going to be the new new performance arts auditorium. So, uh, Gil Bain is uh, our construction manager is chomping at the bit. Obviously, we're ending in-person learning early. That was the other thing that we wanted to to mention uh, because you've got all of these renovations that are going to start here in the next couple of weeks. That means the end of the school year will happen remotely. Right. So if COVID taught us one thing, it, 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 it you know with the technology that we have and, and at our uh, staff disposal and our students disposal, this short period is going to allow us to end the year remotely. Uh, and that when May twentieth, and then we'll have uh, uh, in-person learning ends. Well, mm-hmm. next Friday. How does that? Uh, how does that impact uh, graduation, it final does. exams, and right. you know all of that? Well, it it, re- it impacts some of our uh, CCP College Credit Plus students, and, and we'll be working to to if we need to bring those students in and in person. We have we have obviously the middle school or anything okay. um, that we can use there. But as we wrap up the year graduation right now we're going to try to set up two places obviously the stadium or gateway uh for that this year okay you know we've had to accelerate uh the the calendar on some events like our uh our um, scholarship night or senior awards and also um our uh high school choir concert so we've moved those up um we're we're there's some large storage containers on site. Some storage containers are being delivered for teachers on Friday. So it, it's going to be, there's a very tight three months. It's like everybody, you're going to move entirely out of your house, put it in storage for summer, you know, go through what you don't need, maybe have a garage sale. We're having an auction, obviously. That's our garage sale. Yeah. And then we're going to move back in in August and hopefully... We're right on time there, Tuesday after Labor Day. So uh, the renovations of the high school building will be done uh, during the summer, and the, yes. the students will be back in right. the first of the year. When does the elementary middle school facility open, the K-8? Well, they have a tentative a tentative completion date uh, right around Memorial Day next year, okay. which is going to allow us to take our time to move in over the summer, have a middle school, high school next auction. Year. Yes. Or I'm sorry, elementary school, middle school auction uh, next June, if you will, okay. and take our time and, and do that move uh, over the summer next year so, and be ready to go. So then the uh, next question, when 
and maybe this is premature, what happens to the existing elementary and middle school uh, facility. Real quickly, and I've only got about 30 seconds here, but uh, any decisions on that, or is that still TBD? That's still to be decided, th- okay. to be determined, and the board has some options with that. In our plan, though, is demolition and abatement. Abatement yeah. and demolition that of Which, that is built into. So that the board has to vet that out over yeah. the next couple months. Should be mentioned that that is required now by the abatement state is. Whenever, yes. uh, whenever you have a construction project, the money be allocated for demolition and abatement. Not that that necessarily has to happen, Correct. but you have to budget. 100%. So, same thing happened with uh, Finley City Schools, folks, who remember when they built the uh, new middle school buildings there. Again, uh, Superintendent Mark Kowalski, Liberty Benton, uh, big, big summer coming <laughs> up for sure, and a very busy short summer going to be the end a <laughs> uh, very uh, busy end of the year uh, this week for especially the uh, high school students mark thanks very much for dropping by we appreciate thanks for it. having me chris we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service more or less of hancock county veterans services we have an update uh to the story that we had uh, yesterday uh out of port arthur texas The police department there has now identified the man accused of stealing a lawnmower and using it to vote to mow the victim's lawn. Remember, We told you about this uh, yesterday. Doesn't seem like the uh, worst thing in the world to do, but uh, they have identified the man. Marcus Hubbard has been identified as the man caught on security video burglarizing a home and then mowing the front and backyard of the home without the owner's consent. Uh, But again, as burglaries go, there are worse things that you could do, I suppose. Uh, Mr. Hubbard then accused of fleeing the area when police arrived and taking the lawnmower with him, which must have been quite a sight. Uh, He later left the mower in an alley uh, and was able to get away. Anyone with information on uh, Mr. Hubbard is asked to call the police department's tip line um, and... Hopefully, they'll have him safely in custody so he won't be able to mow anyone else's lawn anytime soon. (laughs) Doesn't seem like the worst thing a criminal could do. But anyway, still a crime. Um, This is really odd. Uh, Waverly, New York is the dateline on this story. Woman has been arrested for allegedly robbing the uh, robbing a local uh, bank as the. Kimung Canal Trust Company. On Friday afternoon, police say Edna Hallett was arrested after police responded to the bank just after 10.30 a.m. when the alarm went off. Uh, Police determined that Ms. Hallett had just left the bank and was uh, making her getaway. Uh, She was uh, apprehended nearby. It's been charged with first-degree robbery. The investigation is ongoing. I should mention... What makes this really interesting is that uh, Edna Hallett, the bank robber, 83 years old, 83 years old. <laughs> well, she wanted to try something new, I guess. It's, mm. uh, it was a very slow getaway. She, was <laughs> she just walked off. That was it. Uh, but they caught her. So uh, she's now behind bars. Also behind bars, a woman in Fayetteville, Georgia, uh, who was arrested after allegedly running through the local Walmart, cursing, hitting employees, removing her clothes, and relieving herself on the floor. Now, that's a full day right there. 
Um, April Barrow, age 40, was charged with battery, public indecency, and disorderly conduct. Uh, through the investigation, officers learned that she entered the Walmart and began uh, uh, shouting profanities and throwing items while running around the store. A uh, employee told uh, police that uh, Ms. Barrow struck her multiple times. Witnesses reported to police that she then took her clothes off and um, did her business right there on the uh, on the floor in the store. Uh, let's see here. A store employee uh, walked her out of the building. Uh, the employee said that she continued to scream and uh, hit the door of the uh, building. She finally put her clothes on outside outside the store prior to officers arriving Um and the uh, police using surveillance footage uh, for the apparently uh, she was upset because she couldn't find the prophylactics. <laughs> I kid you not. That's what she she was asking for initially when she uh, got to the store. She couldn't find the prophylactics <laughs> caused quite a ruckus because she can <laughs> please someone. If ever a woman, uh, if ever a person, not a woman, any person, if ever a person needed prophylactics, this would be. <laughs> Based on that behavior, please, someone get this woman some prophylactics. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Elsewhere in the broken news. <laughs> someone, please get that woman. Anyway, uh, what is the the most beautiful part or the most memorable part of your church? You go to the church Maybe you have a beautiful cross up front of the church, or you have beautiful stained glass windows. At the uh, Centurio Madonna della Lecrim Immaculate, at the sanctuary, the sanctuary of Our Lady of Immaculate Tears in Italy, Pontanosa, uh, Italy, the sanctuary of Our Lady of Immaculate Tears, the highlight, uh, the, uh, the sanctuary is an ancient crocodile suspended from the ceiling. <laughs> I kid you not, there is an ancient crocodile suspended from the ceiling at this sanctuary in Italy. Uh, it uh, surprises many tourists, <laughs> unsuspecting tourists, when they enter the church, they see the crocodile suspended from the ceiling. Exactly how the crocodile arrived at the church uh, is a story that is lost to time. But the sanctuary of Our Lady has documents dating back to 1514 discussing the creature. <laughs> they document that it's been there at least since the 16th century. At over 500 years old, it is one of, if not the, oldest known example of taxidermy. <laughs> it is suspended above the church at, our, at the Sanctuary of Our Lady of Immaculate Tears in Italy. So if you ever go... Something not to be missed. <laughs> That's just weird. <laughs> Hanging in the church. Crocodile. <clears throat> here's, here's our altar. Here's our beautiful stained glass windows. Our stuffed crocodile. <laughs> and finally, the uh, broken news this morning. This seems like terrible manners for a wedding guest. A former sheriff's deputy in Arizona was arrested on Thursday on suspicion of two counts of burglary in relation to thefts at two Phoenix-area weddings last month. Uh, 54-year-old Landon Rankin 
allegedly crashed as many as a dozen weddings and stole thousands of dollars worth of gifts from newly married couples. As a former sheriff's deputy, you would think he would know better. He would allegedly pose as a guest at the weddings and then steal boxes of wedding cards with uh, uh, cash and uh, gift cards and such enclosed. The boxes at the weddings both contained between $3,000 and $6,000 each. Mr. Rankin also faces several drug charges as police found amphetamine and fentanyl in his possession. When asked why in the world he did it, he said he was going through a difficult divorce. Which, if you're going through a divorce, it seems like a wedding would be a strange place to hang out. But, you know, there you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom. The open road. Really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy in it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk riding. Over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. Time for your daily download this morning. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. It seems a lot of Americans think that CEO pay, corporate CEOs, are making way too much money. This is according to a new poll from Just Capital, which is a nonprofit organization focused on corporate stakeholder research. In a survey of U.S. adults taken in February, 81% of Democrats and 71% of Republicans said CEOs at the largest American companies are getting paid too much. I thought that was really interesting. 71% of even Republicans say uh, that uh, CEO pay is uh, out of whack. Reuters cited a separate recent study by Equilar that found media pay for CEOs of the top 100 U.S. uh, median pay for CEOs of the top 100 U.S. companies increased by 31% in 2021. And the ratio of CEO pay to the pay of the company's median workers rose to 254 to 1. In other words, CEOs are making 254 times what the average worker at these companies make. And a large bipartisan majority of Americans think that is way off. Um, And uh, there is concern uh, among those in this survey that such large gaps could lead to social problems and overwhelming 81% of respondents in that poll said large companies should do what they can to provide basic security to their lowest paid workers. 19% said the companies are not responsible for keeping workers out of poverty. Although, I mean, if that's where your income is coming from, I'm not sure um, how how you make that argument. But uh, nonetheless, uh, the uh, chief strategy officer for Just, uh, Allison Omens, said that as boards set CEO pay, they should consider where their way they should consider whether there is quote value creation by the CEO in a way the workers will understand. In other words, can you justify it to the rank and file that your CEO is making 254 times what they are? It is a growing concern uh, in this country, and again, thought it was very telling 
that uh, those on the left and the right in large numbers are starting to recognize that this is a problem. It'd be interesting to see if that changes anything, but there you go. Well, the Black Swamp Area Council of the Boy Scouts are busy preparing for a summer full of fun and adventure for area youth. Uh, The Grand Poobah of the uh, Black Swamp Area uh, Council, uh, Mark Hogan, is with us in the uh, studio to tell us what's happening. I, first of all, we still uh, still call it the Black Swamp Area Council of the Boy Scouts. Uh, is that still uh, thing? Because I know at the highest level, it's Scouts BSA. Can we call it the Boy Scouts, even though it's not just boys now? Yeah. Good, mo- good morning, Chris. Yeah, a- absolutely. It's still, it's still the Boy Scouts America. It's okay. still the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we now have girls in our Cub Scouting program, and what everybody knows as our Boy Scout program, our middle school age program, is now uh, branded uh, Scouts BSA. I got you. So we have troops for boys and and troops for girls. And you actually have, uh, locally, the first uh, female Eagle Scout. Yeah, we had we had in our council we had a female scout last year from Edgerton. That's awesome. Um, and we have uh, we have two female troops here in uh, Finley in Hancock County. Okay. And our goal is to have uh, one girl troop in in every county and a council for our scouts bsa members because they're separate troops when they get to middle school they're boy troops and girl troops because gotcha. they're they're t- in cub scouts when they're a little bit younger it's it's good for them to be together it's easier for families mm-hmm. when they get to middle school it, it, boys and girls you get kind of issues especially yeah when you get to those uh sleepover camp outs well, and, and, and they're in that separate separate and, units yeah, separate so separate campsites that certainly makes a, an awful lot of sense uh as a matter of fact it's it's kind of interesting you you bring that up too because we were talking just a little bit before we went on the air uh, one of the uh, big things uh, for you now is is sort of rebuilding the program after COVID shut everything down. So yeah. it really had to you have to start over. Yes. So it was a we we were able to maintain our Scouts BSA membership, uh, middle school and high school age kids. Mm-hmm. They did okay with Zoom and remote learning. It was a right. Cub Scout age membership where they weren't coming out to meetings. That was really difficult for them. Right. But we're re- starting to rebuild that effort, and uh, we've had uh, great recruitment this past year, and we're, we're always planning for next next fall. But it's never too late to join scouting, so you can join at any time throughout the year. I know several of our units in the community are already doing what we call spring recruiting uh, to get kids to camp. This and summer. this, yeah, this is a good time to uh, look at the uh, scouting programs because you've got uh, camp programs coming up in the spring and summer. Yeah, so, so three fourths of word of scouting is outing. Let's get kids into the outdoors. Back again this summer, we're having our adventure camp at Camp Berry, which is you don't have to be a scout to go to that camp. You can come to camp first and then we'll get you involved in scouting when you come to camp. And actually that program, uh, we're running for nine weeks this summer. Uh, it's a day camp. Drop your kids off at 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. They stay until 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we provide the leadership. They get lunch. Um, they get to do the climbing, the, the archery, the BB guns, the boating, the swimming, the mm-hmm. games and the activities, yeah. all while experiencing scouting in general. Um, and actually, that program is actually a partnership or, or a spon- we've got a, a, a seed grant from the Hancock Community Foundation, the Finley Hancock Community Foundation, to help us get that program off the ground from that And that is for what age group? So boys and girls going into first grade, uh, going, in, go, going into fifth grade. Okay. And again, you don't have to be a scout. Uh, and and at that age, uh, because it's day camp, don't have to, you know, they home and sleep in their own bed and yep. and all of that. So good introduction. Good, good to introduction the to camp, camp Barry and, yeah. and scouting in general and mm-hmm. the adventures that kids can can. Uh, Feel it and then uh, you've got uh, summer camp programs for the older set as well. So we've got our, our traditional, what everybody remembers is Boy Scout camp. Uh, that kicks off um, 
the middle of June at both Camp Berry here in Finley and then Camp Lakota up in Defiance. Um, if there are young people that want to get in, go to camp, Sleepaway Camp, we can get them connected with a local troop. We can get them engaged into scouting and get a chance to go to Sleepaway Camp with a troop. They come in on Sunday and go home on Saturday, and they're at camp for the entire week. And for those camp programs, whether we're talking about the adventure camp or the traditional summer camp, uh, what are the um, important dates? Is there a registration? So, um, uh, we'll, we'll take registrations up until the week before each of the weeks of, of the adventure camp. And that actually starts, uh, adventure camp starts on June 6th and our, our, our resident camp programs start uh, June 21st. Um, but we'll need a little bit more time, probably by the 1st of June, if you wanted to come to our resident camp program. Now, uh, having said that, that's when the camps begin, but you'd be doing them throughout the summer, throughout right? The that's summer, not yeah. the, yeah. So if, uh, if somebody is hearing this and say, oh, well, I, that's coming up really quickly. I don't know that we can do that particular week. You do have, a, you know, throughout yeah. the summer. The, the, so. uh, adventure camp runs for, for nine weeks, and then our, our summer camp okay. runs for four weeks at one camp and five weeks at the other. Okay, so there are lots of uh, opportunities. Uh, one of the big things that you are also recruiting for is not just uh, the kids to go to camp, but the adults to go yeah, to camp we're, as we're, well. always, we're always looking for camp staff. Um, <laughs> we have plenty of opportunities, like I think every every other employer in the in the, in the the region, <laughs> sure. or actually across the country. Um, but we have camp staff opportunities for high school-age kids, as well as college students and even adults that are looking to do something with their summer. So we'd love to talk to them. What is the process for uh, signing up to be uh, camp staff? Um, just give us a call at our council service center or apply on our council website. Our council service center phone number is 419-422-4356 or at blackswampbsa.org is our council website. And I would imagine sooner rather than later on that because there is a process you have to go there's through. There's a process right? and there's there's camp staff training that yeah. we put our staff through. So uh, obviously with camp right around the corner, want to get as many people in uh, as, as staff. Uh, as you were mentioning, uh, it is a great time to become a scout, not just for all of the outdoor activities that obviously are top of mind in the summertime, but I know you're uh, looking at one of the things you had mentioned in uh, in some of the notes, um, workforce development. Uh, we were talking about this just the, just the other day. Uh, all different ways uh, that we're finding to expose young people to the possibility of uh, career paths, and you know, the, scouting is a, a natural fit for that. I guess. Yeah. So I look at scouting as the ultimate workforce development program, even even in our Cub Scout and our and our Scouts BSA program, where they get a chance to learn leadership and those those soft skills that the um, Seven Habits or the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Leader of Me program yeah. offers in the in the Finley City School and actually in the schools across Hancock County. Yeah, scouting hits hand in hand with that and how it meshes and how it supports that, and it provides those. The, the soft skills that, that young people learn in scouting translate great to the workplace because mm-hmm. it, it brings that positive attitude and those really strong core values that really drive somebody's uh, work ethic. And I, I would imagine that you that is one of the, the points of emphasis or the things that you focus on when you talk about uh, leader training You know, for those who lead the scouts you find ways to emphasize that. Yeah, so we use that outdoor experience for that, that learning experience where the scouts learn how to fail in a safe way, but also learn how to interact with their peers and how to move, move their group forward or their patrol or their den forward yeah. in, in accomplishing a task. And that could be as simple as on a camp out cooking a meal or 
setting up your campsite or mm-hmm. when you're going backpacking and you're in the backcountry and your tent pole breaks and you're 10 miles in yeah. and how do you improvise and making sure you can stay dry for the night? Yeah. You, you kind of so use that not, critical thinking skill. Yeah, it's not an accident. That, no. That's, I mean, that is by design. So. What, what I like to say, scouting is a game with a purpose mm-hmm. and the end game, while we use that adventure and that excitement of the outdoors, we're really trying to develop the character of those, in, those, those young people that are involved in scouting and they don't even necessarily know it. It's like that sugar and putting your, your medicine in the sugar. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, there and you don't even realize then it. Then you yeah. don't even realize it. Uh, just uh, another, the reason we're bringing it up, just another reason uh, to you know look at scouting and get your kids uh, involved. And you can do that anytime, uh, just in time for the uh, summer camp program. Yeah, you can join scouting at any time throughout the year. You know, Anytime from the time you for, you're in kindergarten all the way through the age of 18 and then we can even get you involved as an adult uh while we're talking about uh, summer camps uh got a national uh, jamboree coming up yeah so next summer we have our we're gonna have a national jamboree actually it was supposed to be this this summer okay it got canceled because of covid um and so we've rescheduled for 2023 and okay. we're starting to put together a contingent troop. And that is a, the ultimate high adventure experience where you get I to camp imagine. with yeah. uh not only friends that you'll make locally uh where we're going to send a contingent troop but also then you'll camp with 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 scouts from across the country and actually from across the world because every usually every scout association will send the contingent uh to that and they've got everything from the big zip which is almost a mile long zip line to aquatics uh world-class uh skate parks uh canopy tours whitewater rafting those are all the great experiences that scouts get to do um, while camping in a campsite surrounded by scouts from across the country. And you do also, uh, real quickly, want to mention a couple of uh, fundraising events uh, real quick in the minute or so that we have left Yeah, here. so our, our golf outing is coming up next week on Thursday, May 19th at the Finley Country Club. Uh, we still have some sponsorship opportunities available, and you can give us a call at our council service center or visit our council website. And then coming up in the fall... On Thursday, September 19th, it's going to be our ninth annual Sporting Clays event, which is always a very popular event. Um, And that's going to be at the Elkhorn Lake Club. We're looking forward to uh, that event as well. Ways to support all of these uh, great learning experiences for the uh, young people that we've been talking about. Uh, And uh, again, more information uh, from the office or on your website. Yeah, so you can give us a call at our Council Service Center, 419-422-4356, or visit blackswampbsa.org. Very good. Uh, Mark Hogan with Blackstone Area Council of the Boy Scouts with us this morning. Mark, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Chris, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. Tomorrow on the program, media personality and author Bill O'Reilly will join us to talk about the latest title in his best-selling Killing series, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.